0: ...saying and doing this morning, I just know that there are some that are trying to figure out how to cast their cares upon the Lord and just leave Him with them, you know. And the first part of the verse that talks about casting all your anxiety and all your cares upon Him, the first part of that is, therefore, humble yourselves. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you in the proper time. He may lift you up. He may come and be the one that delivers you in that situation. You know, and the Lord is saying this morning, I know that there's some that are are here that are saying, well, I can do this. I can fix this. If I just wait, if I do this, this and this, and you've got it all worked out. And that's the problem, that you've got it all worked out. And the Lord says, humble yourselves under my mighty hand. So that he may exalt you in proper time. That's the first part is to humble yourself. Don't let what you think you can do and how you know this is going to work out and the answer that you think is going to come and fix this situation. Don't do that. That's not the first part. The first part is to humble yourself. Just humble yourself under his mighty hand. Like what we're hearing about, he's so faithful, he's so caring. He so wants to be strong in your life. And then it says, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. And then it says this, and this is a part of it, a little bit of spiritual warfare comes in. Be sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so resist him firm in your faith he comes to deceive those thoughts those ideas that 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 thinking that says he couldn't possibly come through in this situation he comes with a lie about that and you've got to cast that thought down cast that imagination down and not run with it it says so resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. In other words, they're having that. That's what they're having. But we don't need to have that. Amen? We can be a people that humble ourselves and cast our cares. And, uh, and rest. Faith is a rest. Remember that. Faith is always a rest. It's not an anxiety. It's not something that you should get gripped with fear and anxiety by. We should have rest in our hearts. Can I have an amen this morning? Amen. Praise I, the Lord.
1: Pete, can I just give you a yeah, little testimony add to that. about Go that? Go ahead,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so most of you know that I've, I have struggled with anxiety my whole life, but I can say this year people would notice, I'm sure, that I've been worry-free, amen? Amen. Because I had to make a decision. I had insomnia for my whole life, really. Even my mum said I would worry about everything. I'd vomit before tests at school. I'd just work myself up so much that I would just make myself physically sick. And, you know, I used to go to work on, like, 20 minutes sleep. And I'm not talking once. I'm talking three or four nights in a row. You know, it would be terrible. And, you know, I'd give it to the Lord, but not really. I thought I'd give it to the Lord, but not really. I would take it back. And I had to actually physically, like, say, and it took a long time for me, you know, to... I'm 41 and it took me till I was 41 to actually learn how to give it to the Lord and just say every time those anxiety thoughts came in, I'd say, no, I'm free of anxiety in Jesus' name. The Lord's got it. And I had to say it and say it and say it and say it because you have to confess with your mouth. Amen. You can believe it in your heart, but you have to confess these things with your mouth. And I can say today that I'm free From that anxiety. Yes, the enemy is going to tempt me with it. But I'm not going to walk in that fear anymore. Amen. We're children of God. That's right. And I know that even my workmates have noticed. They're like, Rach, you've been so calm and just chilled. And I'm like, yep, it's Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I've just like, I feel like a different person. I'm a different person because of the Lord. Amen. So good. Amen. So, you know, when we give testimonies... It's the Lord saying, he will do it again for you. Amen. So Amen. Good.
0: Hallelujah. Thanks, Rach. Hallelujah. Why don't we all find our seats? And You can all move down, all right? All those ones that are sitting at the back, I want you all to move down the front here because I can't see you up there. And uh, there's so many empty chairs down the front that you can make your way up if you feel to. Come on down. Come and sit next to Rosemary on the front row here. It's great. You've got lots of leg room. Uh, is at least as good as an exit seat in a plane, all right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at that. They come down there. Come on. See? That's it. Move down. Move down. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> she doesn't. Wow. Well. Well, we thank you, Father, for your word today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that it touches our hearts and, and, Lord, ministers to us, Father God, what you want ministered in our hearts today, Lord God. Lord, we are in the business of setting people free. Father, we thank you that it's the truth that sets us free. So, Father, we give ourselves now to the spirit of truth. Lord, just to work in us, Lord, to, to do even a surgery within us, Lord God, where we need, Lord, that, that sort of your word, Lord God, just just uh, making a mark, Lord God, making a difference, making a change, like we've heard this morning already from so many testimonies, Lord. You're such a good God. And, and Lord, we just uh, commit this word and this, this message to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well... Uh, well, I'm, I just thought to just continue and just put one more um, uh, lesson into the series of the promise of the Father. And, um, and it's such a significant part of the promise of the Father for the church. What was such a significant part of the promise of the Father for the church was for believers to be filled with his spirit. It wasn't just that we, he would manifest his presence powerfully in our gatherings corporately, It wasn't that alone. It was so we could be filled with his wisdom and his insights and his guidance in everyday life. He's a personal God. He's not just a God that comes in corporately and ministers among us and and, uh, touches hearts and lives in in that very general way. I want to talk a little bit about that, how he's a personal God, that we would have the advantage of knowing things to come And in that function, Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. She called him the spirit of truth. And I'm just going to uh, slip straight into a couple of verses, John 16 and verse uh, 12 to 13. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. I love that part about the Holy Spirit. He's not going to speak on his own. He's speaking as God and as that relay that's on the inside of you. You know, he relays the very very heart of God inside your heart. What a great advantage in life, I say. What a great advantage it is to know the truth from the places of god 's holy spirit witnessing the truth in your born again spirit what a What an advantage! I tell you the people down the road don 't have that, but you do you if you 're born again filled with the spirit of god you 've got that advantage in life, and it 'll set you up for success you know. And the good news for us today is that we can all get very tuned turn to someone and say very. Very tuned in to the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The big decisions of life can be submitted to God's will. And there is nothing wrong with submitting the little things to Him as well. Amen? The little decisions. But we need to be a people that have chosen God's will for our lives. We've got to to get to that part where we've just chosen God's will for our lives. We're not just kind of waiting to just get that advantage and, Lord, show me something. Show me the lotto numbers and everything will be all right. I won't ask for another thing after that. Imagine that, you know. Just give me the lotto numbers, Lord. You know, we want to be a people that are consecrated entirely to the Lord with our whole life. The consecrated life is the one that steps up to the level of, this is what it is, not my will be done, but your will be done. we just talk about that a little bit. For some, that's a bit scary. What if he sends me into the mission field and I don't want to go? What happens? Rosemary's got a testimony about that. When we were getting sized up for a a call to country Queensland and... uh, Rosemary uh, stayed in Perth, I went across and had a little look and of course her testimony was that there's a couple of older people staying in this accommodation centre that we were managing and Rosemary went down south with them and she's, she, the Lord's dealing with her heart about the calling over east. Remember that? And just, and just how that processed and the Lord, you know, she thought that God's will was within the 30 kilometre radius of Sorrento And she wasn't quite prepared for anything else. And of course, in the meantime, the Lord's got a completely different plan and it's playing out and uh, quite exciting. But the Lord dealt with her heart about it so that when I came back and said, guess what? They've invited us to come. This little group of people that were there. Just a dozen of them. Come and pastor us. So James brings a very good word on this feature of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I, I'm just trying to get it across. You have to be a person that's actually settled that not my will be done, but your will be done. You know, I want to live that consecrated life. And it's something that's, you know, you step up to every so often in your life as well. You, 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 you have moments of consecration. That's, that's certainly been our experience. James chapter 4 and verse 13 to 16, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow will go to such and such city, Spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, put some money in the bank. It's all good. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And even if it is just a little vapour that appears for a little while and vanishes away, we should give it to God because he gave us his life. So the least we can do is give him our lives. And do his will for our lives. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. In other words, consecration. And there are circumstances that will lead us to do things, uh, uh, opportunities that will take us in a certain direction, but make sure you leave it to the Lord to decide. Uh, Just this week I was blessed and... um, Pastor Stewart there would know about it as well. He was there, but uh, I was blessed to conduct a marriage for a young couple. They're not here today. I would have had them stand up. We could all celebrate and clap, but they're not here today. So probably on their honeymoon. Hallelujah. But in our pre-marriage counselling, we talked about the advantage of Christian marriage and how to navigate the big decisions. And I like to make that a part of the, uh, the preparation for marriage because that's probably one of the first things you're going to encounter in your uh, Christian marriage, and particularly when you just get married, is that someone else is now making the decisions, or trying to. And of course, in the, in the marriage relationship, what's beautiful is the threefold cord. And uh, I like to talk about that, the threefold cord, because um, that's the one that cannot be easily broken. Okay, as when you pray and bring the Lord into your situation. Lay before him those big decisions and even the little decisions and ask the Lord to show you, direct you, guide you. Because guess who the boss is in the marriage relationship? Got it. I was waiting for someone to say the man. But I was was waiting for someone to say, who would dare say that? The marriage, you know, we know that we, we look, we know that the, the husband is the head of the marriage, okay. We know that, okay. But just don't try and put it on, all right. Because, uh, uh, and the reason, the reason that the husband is the head of the, uh, the marriage, of course, is because anything with two heads is a monster. That's the truth. Anything with two heads is a monster. So, you know, in those decisions where, and, and the, the greater responsibility comes on the husband, because what he must do, if they can't agree, the husband must go off and pray and get God's will. Find out what he's saying about the matter. And the wife should submit to that. But that, how often have I done that in our 35-year marriage, darling? Once? I can't even remember where I had to go off and decide myself and, and take it to the Lord because we were in disagreement, you see. So that's just a little bit of, a, again, an understanding of how our lives are not our own. We should submit and bring uh, the big questions uh, to the Lord. It's a reality that we should renew our minds to, is that our lives are not our own. But don't just say it and then make a decision on your own preferences and, and say it was God. Wait for the Holy Spirit's promptings and leanings. Wait for his truth that not only comes as an inner voice in your spirit, but also a tangible sensation that you can learn to recognise. It's what we call the inner witness. The Holy Spirit's nudge. And uh, sometimes it's very subtle, but you can discern it. You can get good at discerning that. Our Heavenly Father wants us to know his faithful leading in our lives. Amen? He wants, to, he wants us to know a. It. So it's a mark of mature sons and daughters. Actually, Romans eight fourteen. So good, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, or I would say sons and daughters of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. You see, the beauty of being led by the Spirit, um, the Spirit of truth, is that we move over into the specific will of God for our lives. We move over into that area and not just the general will of God. In the general will of God, in his written word, we don't find specifics. You know, uh, which wife do I propose to? Uh, Which city should I live in? Uh, Which house should I buy? You can't just open your Bible and find a scripture that deals with those things. You've got to be led by the Spirit. See what I understand about it being this, we move over into the specific will of God, and, of course, it first of all takes that we consecrate and say, Lord, my life is not my own. Uh, in 2015, Rosemary and I had been enjoying a God-given season uh, in business. We'd felt led by God in 2007 to start a company and build it on God's wisdom. And, and, uh, and, of course, it was a blessing. He led us into it. He led us on how to build it and grow it. But when the t- time came uh, to take up the pastoral leadership up here in Broome he used the inner witness of the Holy Spirit to lead us to get our attention Uh, we were on the third approach uh, the third question put to us by Pastor Margaret and uh, about uh, if and that particular day it was about if we had prayed uh, about coming to Broome to take up the leadership of the church And it was like Pastor Margaret was at the end of asking about it. Uh, And she was either after a definite no or a definite yes. So she could just move on and maybe look, thinking maybe someone else could take the role, take the, the thing. And Rose and I had talked about it. We had discussed it a little bit. But we weren't convinced one way or another. I think that's the best way to describe it. We weren't convinced one way or another because... I just knew that day that Pastor Margaret was after an answer. And uh, I thought I would give it to her. I thought I'd give her a no. And uh, so I sent off... It was a lovely text. It was like first thing in the morning she'd, she'd contacted me first thing. It was a lovely text. Pastor Margaret, we really appreciate the fact that you've considered us for this role up in that church in Broome. But we really, you know couldn't see ourselves sort of giving time to that at this time in our lives and, and uh, we really appreciate the fact that you've thought of us and I tell you, it was a beautiful text. It was a really polite no. <laughs> <to> we, <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was the politest I could possibly be to, to um, uh, send a, me- a message off to Pastor Margaret and you know what? The minute I hit send... And that text flew off to Pastor Margaret. I got the biggest irk in my spirit that I'd had in a long time. It was, uh, it was like, no. And I immediately sensed it. I immediately felt it. And I knew that I just told Pastor Margaret the wrong thing. That's all I knew. Just told her the wrong thing. So I went down into the kitchen where Rosemary was and I said, honey, I just sent this text to Pastor Margaret and you know what? It feels wrong. And she said, well, you better call her. So I got on the phone straight away, rang her instead of texting her and saying, "Ah, Pastor Margaret, delete that message. (laughs) Delete that message. Ignore that message. We should get together and talk. And she says, okay, we'll get together and chat. And so we made an appointment. We started a conversation about broom about coming up and having a look and and um and we didn't come up to have a look to see whether we should take it on the truth is we already knew what god was saying because of that sensation he gave us and we came up and had a look and of course it was just to confirm what god was already saying and what he was already leading us into how easily we could have missed it though you know that witness of the spirit so easy to miss sometimes that, and that's why we need to be a prayed-up people. First of all, consecrated to His will, Lord. Not my will be done, but Your will. But be that person that continues to to uh, look for God's will to be fulfilled in our lives. Now, in the general will of God, we have the written word. Okay, we have the written word of God, the the Logos as a guide. It becomes the balance to what we do, how we live, what we say. You know, in Luke. Chapter 10 and verse 31, uh, uh, Martha is complaining about Mary, who's not helping her in the kitchen. You should have a little read of it, ladies. It's a good one. Uh, There's Mary and Martha, the two sisters, and and, uh, Jesus and all of his his, uh, uh, disciples and his followers, they'd all come to her place for lunch. And instead of sitting and listening to the sermon like she should have, she's busy in the kitchen, peeling the spuds, getting ready for, to give lunch to all these guys. And of course, she gets to the point where she's annoyed at Mary that Mary's not coming into the kitchen to help. And it's a great word there and it says that, that when she came and interrupted Jesus' sermon and complained about Mary, can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine interrupting Jesus' sermon? So that you can complain about your sister who's sitting there listening to his his sermon? I can't imagine that. But I'm sure everyone in the room went, (laughs) you know, what? (laughs) But Jesus answers and said, you are worried and careful about many things. But there is one thing that is needful. One thing that is needful. And it won't be taken from her. Wow, what a rebuke. She decided she was going to sit under the word and receive the word and receive that, you know, that that word of God. But, you know, let's be the people that choose the word of God as our way of life. Choose his direction, choose his guidance for our lives because it's better than the world's way. Amen? Better. Just starting to say what God says in his word is life-changing. You know, the Bible tells us to renew our minds to the word of God. It's a transformation that occurs. It tells us in Romans 12 not to conform uh, uh, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our daily time spent in his word is powerful to us. But, you know, when it comes to location decisions and where you go to serve the Lord and what he wants for you, you cannot go to the scriptures and find a scripture that tells you which town you should go to. You know, a church you should join in that new location. You know, there's not a scripture that gives that kind of specific information. And that's what we need to get over and understand here today. You'll need the rhema word of God to know the specifics. You need to be led by the Spirit. The inner witness as well will get your attention, like it did for me that day. And we could quite easily have just thought, ah, you know, we're blessed, we're doing good, everything's going fine here, you know, and, uh, and miss God's calling. And uh, I'm so glad we didn't. Um, you need to know what God is saying and how the Spirit is leading you. And, of course, the Logos word of God is what God has said. Amen? You know, the Rhema word of God is what God is saying. It's the Spirit of truth communicating God's will to you. And you can have both. You can have the, the written word of God, the Logos of God, you can have it in your Bible, and you can be encyclopedic recall. Fantastic you know but you can miss the specifics because you don't know how to be led by the spirit. We've got to get we've got to be good with both. The logos word of God is what God has said. The rhema word of God is what God is saying. It's the spirit of truth communicating God's will to you. We need both dimensions of God's word in our life to lead us, to help us in life's decisions. Don't get stuck on one at the expense of the other. You know. Oh, I've already read the Bible, I don't need to read the Bible. No, read it again. Read the New Testament through again, you know. And you watch the Holy Spirit use that to minister to you. But also pray with an expectation, be led by the Spirit of God when you're praying. I love Spirit-led prayer, you know. God wants us to learn how to pray led by the Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 to 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, inspiration by God is that Greek word, that word inspiration there is a Greek word, theonoustos. And what it means is God breathed. All scripture is God-breathed, you know. We got the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. They're all inspired by God. In other words, they were God-breathed onto those pages. But God didn't stop inspiring man after the Bible was recorded. He still inspires, he still breathes his word into our lives, he still breathes his direction and guidance into our lives and that's something that we can be alive to, aware of and sensitive to. And I encourage you to dig in for that. The Logos is good, the Logos is always instructional but we still need to interpret it and remember that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, rightly interpreting what God is saying to you. And, um, you know, the Bible comes to us all as the revealed word of God. But the interpretation of the written word is where we need to give and, and apply ourselves to is that interpretation. The Holy Spirit will help us with the interpretation of the word. You know, there is a witness to the truth that abides in us. Uh, the anointing. You may not have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible, but you can be led by the Spirit concerning the truth. You can follow that inner witness in your interpretation of the word of truth. The Holy Spirit is our helper. You can just sense that, you know, have that uh, sensing and knowing uh, in, your, in your heart. And as, you, as someone maybe gives you a scripture that's out of context, maybe their interpretation of it is wrong you can have that witness in your heart. And that's such a great um, facility of the Holy Spirit um, uh, that we can have the spirit of truth. You know, I, I love this verse and I just want to get onto it. It's 1 John chapter 2 and verse 26. It says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try and deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides where? In you. And you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and and just as it has taught you you will abide in him that anointing that uh, uh, you know lives in you will teach you it will show you some things it will it will lead you and guide you even to the point where you don't need someone else to come along and tell you what's right and what's wrong You can know it in your heart. I believe, Alan, we were talking about this very thing last week or the week before. Amen? We're talking about that witness on the inside that you can get where you just know. Don't know the scripture necessarily, but you just know that, oh, not quite sure about that. And you can be led by his spirit. Such is the Holy Spirit's work in our life. You know, one of the best pictures, and I'm going to finish on this. Don't start moving around just yet. One of the best pictures of the empowered church I believe is a snapshot of what the Lord had in mind for the church age. The church that He sent the Holy Spirit to. You know, it's found in Acts, and it's Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful. And they're going to prayer. These are two men of God filled with the Spirit of God and are led by the Spirit and they carry His presence and they carry His power. That's a snapshot of the church. Is in Acts chapter 3, after the promise of the Father was given in Acts chapter 2, we move straight into the best picture of what that should look like in the life of the believer. They're prayerful. They carry his presence and they're powerful. And when they meet people, they're able to bring something of the Spirit of God to that equation and to that that meeting. And of course, we see it in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Now, Peter and John went up, together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, and those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. In other words, he was there begging at the the gate. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, uh, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter has said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Powerful, you know. Prayer, presence, power. That's the sequence we give ourselves to, and we should as a church, as individuals in the church. As a church, we've understood that 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 is the sequence that we should follow after. We give ourselves to prayer. It always results in his presence. Don't stop praying until you sense his presence. And if we have his presence, watch out. We have his power, you know. And we can bring it into situations and circumstances and expect the Lord to show up with power. Amen. Acts chapter 3 and verse 7 to 10, it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate. This guy was a regular. They knew it was him who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. What a great outcome, filled with amazement and wonder. Do you think a few more people would have been in church that next Sunday? I'm pretty sure they would have been, you know, because a healing had taken place. God had, had demonstrated his power and his glory in that circumstance. And, you know, church, that's the business. That's the business of the church. Look, the church, Other what other churches do, I'm... I certainly never give myself to criticism or what what they focus on or anything like that. But I'm telling you now that the church of the New Testament needs to look like this. Amen? Uh, we We need to be about this business. You know, don't give up on making that a personal sequence in your life. Pray every day and invite the Holy Spirit into your life daily. Let him manifest his personal presence in you. And it's in that place that he will lead you. He will guide you. He will show you things to come. What an advantage, even if it if it's just to get you to another place that he wants you to get to, take you to another level. It's wonderful. Let him manifest his personal presence in you. And in that manifestation, expect his power. Signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Expect them to operate through you. Do a study, find out what they are, understand what they are and give yourself to them and say, Lord, I want to see these gifts flowing and functioning in my life. I want to see your name glorified in my life, not just in my church. Amen? Amen. Prayer, presence, power. Praise the Lord. Well, I might ask the team to come and we're going to just go out with a song, but just as we do, I'm going to make an invitation, as always, just a simple invitation. If you're here today and some of the things that we've talked to are maybe new to you, maybe you haven't quite understood, maybe there's something about, uh, you know, the New Testament church that we've been talking about, that you'd... You, you say, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. There's an opportunity this morning to come down the front and, uh, and, and, have, and come into a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, we call it praying the prayer of salvation. Uh, some call it praying the sinner's prayer. But if that's you, I really encourage you to come down after the, after we've sung this last song. Come on down, let this be a song that just, just touches your heart. Maybe you'd like to step up to another level and make today a day of consecration. You know, maybe today that's something you'd like to do. And if that is you, please come on down the front as well. If you have a healing, we've had, we've had um, healing testimonies today. And I assure you this, we don't necessarily need Pastor Margaret to come, okay, for us to receive healing. You can receive healing based on you saying, I know it's available and I want to receive it. And I've got the faith to receive it. Be that person that stirs up your faith to receive everything that God has for you. Amen. God bless you all today. You've been a great crowd today. We're a little bit down on numbers, but boy, what a great church to preach to today. Amen. God bless you all. I know we're going to have a good week. Let's have this song and give the Lord room. And of course, we'll have some morning tea.